2: this Habermann of Middlecoff segment is brought to you by ashford.edu slash ham. And the DraftKings app, promo code ham. And manscape.com promo code ham. And mybookie.ag, promo code ham1. And upstart.com slash ham. Watching Kyle Shanahan's last Super Bowl appearance. I thought it was really interesting. Did you see his post-game conversation just in the locker room after the NFC Championship game? Kind of his speech to the team. Yeah, like we're getting to work tomorrow? Yeah, it was pretty straightforward.
3: Um, None of the guys booed or anything. I guess it's, well, you, well, you just have to wear it when you go to the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah. he. Uh, but one of the things he said is, hey, like, tomorrow, this week is when you do your best work. Because once we get there, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of shit going on. This week is the week where we got it. Like, it starts to tomorrow where we start putting the work in that matters, that wins us the Super Bowl. And I was just watching it thinking, like. Kind of
3: unique for a first-time head coach to be well, able to kind of just it, drop that.
2: Yeah, but. It's like the Niners aren't a unique. They have unique personnel in that their quarterback has never played in a Super Bowl, but he's been to th- what three, one, th- been to three, right? Yeah, Jimmy? It's, it's, it's one his third. three. Or this is his third. He's one two. That's right. He's one two. He's one two. Yeah. Six and then, years
3: Ky- in the NFL, guy been to three. Not and bad. then
2: Kyle, Kyle's had the experience of knowing what it takes to prepare for the Super Bowl. It's just yeah. it's unique. Like, and obviously McVeigh went last year, and that was unique for him. But, um. Kyle was the offensive prepared for Bill Belichick. He didn't just prepare. He prepared for Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. That's who he prepared for. So the Niners are pretty lucky that the guy they've got just did this, even though he wasn't the head coach. I think um, for a guy who's, as a head coach, seemingly doing a lot of things for the first time and is obviously on the ascension of his head coaching career, he... uh, his word carries a lot of weight when it comes to Super Bowl preparation from that standpoint.
3: Well, don't you think one of the big storylines once the once the team gets there and the in the media days and everything is gonna be the twenty eight to three? Like that's gonna come up a lot. Yeah. Because he wasn't just like on the staff. He was the guy I almost feels responsible for and got a lot of blame even after the fact. Uh I, I he mentioned it in his press conference. I think Kawakami was asking about it, like how much did he have to go back into the lab? Did he have to look in the mirror? And like, Did he have to train, change his philosophy? And he's like, I really just look back, there were two plays. It's like any game. It was a play here, a play there. Now he's like, big picture, it, it does affect me. For example, he's like, when we were playing the Packers two days ago and we were up 25 points, I, I never, ever feel the game's over. I'm always freaking because I've, I've lived it. And it was probably, he might tell you it was even before that ever happened. You just, you coach in the NFL long enough, you're going to see some crazy shit happen. Like just random games like week four, where you're up like 30, then all of a sudden you lose. And that's, most coaches, I do think, are pretty consistent. Like you don't usually see head coaches celebrating ever, right? Until the clock hits double zero. But the funny part about that game was he's like, you know. We we did some pretty good things that year. I don't know if you guys remember, but we were the one of the historic offenses in the history of the league. <laughs> He's like it wasn't like we were some shit operation that fucked up. Like yes, yeah, and, and it's not like that shit
2: didn't suddenly work in the playoffs too, right?
3: Yeah, like you like you said, they busted off the first run of the game was like thirty five yards. Yeah, I just
2: because I was thinking like, is Kyle gonna come out running the ball? Or is he gonna is he gonna do what we think maybe is not what his core would be, which is is he gonna come out throwing on that first drive with Jimmy? Do
3: you think he has any ghosts to shake? Like because no, I don't when you look at the Chiefs, they've spotted their last two opponents thirty four combined points and came back and won both games by double digits. So you'd say their philosophy like they've came storming back. If the Niners and the Niners have had huge leads now in back to back weeks, they've established big leads early in games. It it is kind of setting up for it to be a possibility again, just because the way the Chiefs play. A little more difficult. I mean, a lot more difficult in theory against the Niners' defense. But you went like, let's just say hypothetically, it happens. Maybe not twenty-eight to three, but let's say it was like twenty to seven, and they were to lose. Right? Then, then the Niners have won
2: games. Goes. He would. I if he's up twenty to seven in the Super Bowl and loses. Well, 20, 20, to 20 to seven is twenty-eight to three. To me, is on another level than twenty to seven. Right yeah because is it it's 20 to it's, seven in the second quarter or is it 20 to seven like going into the fourth? Well think about what 28 to three is. It's a 25 point
3: lead so you do the math. if you get three touchdowns and three two-point conversions, you're still down a point so it's a
2: four score game and that you wasn't know. the second quarter score like the chief, you know that was the third there was it was eight that was going it was going in the fourth quarter right Well it was the, I, I'm I just saw the touchdown actually they scored on a swing pass to Tevin Coleman. it was 8.33 remaining in the third quarter gotcha 831
3: so they had a commanding lead in the second half like yeah deep into the second it's fairly I, deep in the second half and it's you know as time goes on you kind of hit or miss of things you remember in certain games i vividly remember watching that going the patriots are going to lose this game like 50 to 7 or 50 <laughs> to 10 like it yeah. was just like this is a joke cuz it was like remember when seattle played denver and it was the biggest blowout and you're like this is just this sucks but it would be the equivalent of in that game. You kind of fell asleep by the second half because it was legitimately I over. I remember being like bored. That game they came storming back. That's wild. I, yeah, I don't think he has anything to shake either.
2: But I mean, if I, they, it, but but if they are up twenty four to three and lose the game, that's a different animal, then right? Yeah. By the way, they just so it's twenty eight to three. They just cut to the booth, and Arthur Blank and Thomas Dimitrov are there. Arthur Blank is just like going nuts. Dimitrov looks nervous as shit. Like when they showed Dimitrov, he's standing next to Blank. Blank he's is doing like this double fist pump. Dimitrov is not celebrating. Yeah, this game,
3: probably even more than most playoff games, has a pretty consistent feel of getting weird, right? Because to me, it's a double whammy. It's just. You're, you got the best team, so you have to do sometimes outside-of-the-box thinking going into the game. Like, you probably just have more trick plays ready. And then it's just the ultimate just kitchen sink game. You, you ain't saving anything. Like, there is no, well, let's, we don't need this, save it for next week. It's just like, fuck it, run it. Also, there is just... How, the- many, time, how, many, how many times are there just, fuck it, run it, said in a Super Bowl? Right? When you're like, do you want to do it now? Yes, r- let it roll. It happens all the time because you think of some of the crazy things that happen in Super Bowls—the onside kicks, the double passes. You just remember in Brady against the Eagles when he missed it, and then the Eagles ran one. You just, you're, you're—it's the ultimate kitchen sink game. It, it truly is, and it's why usually it's remembered also because they tend to be somewhat closer,
2: right? They're just not as many blowouts in our lifetime. You just also have the element of everybody is watching, nervous. Like the fans play, the teams, or players. The teams. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, if you were a coach this week, there's just a lot of unrest, right? You just know the magnet. And there is, I think, in the playoffs, the, the pressure and everything. But now you're like, this is the – what's the granddaddy? Oh, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy yeah. of them all. This is the granddaddy of them. So when you're getting ready all week, there's an excitement. And, I, I mean, I can't relate, but – there has to be like, well, what if we do this and they do this? Or they do this and we do that? It's just a lot of... And then you got the extra week to think. That's why Kyle is right. We just got to approach like a normal week, set the game plan, but no, then we got all week to tweak. And that where, you know, I, I think McDaniels has definitely talked about putting in things before game on like Saturday night because you, you just go over it all week, all week long normally. And then you just kind of do soft runs of just light practices all week in Miami. And you just keep seeing things. But I'd also imagine there's a lot of overthinking going on right now. And it's just a lot of paralysis by analysis on both sides. Because both sides, you'd say, are – it's a high-thinking operation from both sides. Like, they do a lot of innovative stuff. And when you do innovative stuff against other innovators, you feel pressure to out-innovate, it almost feels like. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: who's more I, likely to run a trick play in this game? Both teams. I mean, if if I had to say I'm more likely, I I just put Andy at the top of that list. But Kyle's run a bunch of them. Yeah, I, but both of them do a lot of just natural like end around double
3: reverses. Like it's just like a staple around that. Like oh, that's a double double pass swing uh, flip. <laughs> like oh yeah, but it looks kind of normal, right? When you're doing it to like that's a double pass to Tom Brady and then he stumbles. You're like ah, it looks kind of weird. Does does a does a? will give you one. Let's do a little early prop. Does either quarterback catch a pass? Because doesn't that feel like a staple of a Super Bowl, a quarterback catches a pass, or is that just something recent?
2: Yeah, so who can throw it? Like, for the Chiefs, can they have somebody that can throw the ball? Has Mahomes I'd caught a to, pass?
3: I'd have to text someone. It doesn't feel like, why would you not want like Mahomes? Like, they don't have, right?
2: like, an Edelman... But I didn't know that Trey Burton or whatever his name is could throw either.
3: But he didn't have to throw it that far. Yeah. Emmanuel Sanders has proven he's got a good arm.
2: Yeah. Right? Yep. I feel like like, after Philly, Philly, it's too obvious. (laughs) You almost have to throw it to like an eligible tight end out of the backfield, fullback, something. Can use check throw? That's a
3: good question. I don't know.
2: One of the run Can Breda? One of those guys. Breda's a surfer. I bet he can throw.
3: I thought Cole. I thought... uh, Moster was a surfer.
2: Oh, sorry, Moster the surfer,
3: skateboarder. Doesn't he do the surfing thing? Yeah, yeah, Moster. you're right. It's it's yeah, Moster.
2: It's, it's Moster. Sorry, Brita. Yeah,
3: but I think Brita's kind of got uh, a <laughs> stay over here, buddy. You're like I was a cheetah. What? Who? I don't. I'm the cheetah. I I did see someone tweeted that Dante Pettis, who has been active for both games the last two weeks, has not played one snap, special teams or and and. It might have been like Josh DuBow. Like, that is a pretty big – like, that's hard to do once you get to this level. Just not be like, well, we're just going to put you on kick. Like, you just play a little. You just contr- He does not play. So, they they have a couple guys on their team that just don't do anything, which is kind of rare because you would just make him inactive. But they clearly don't have anyone else at the inactive that they think. If they did get into a super pinch, maybe they go, well, at least this guy could function in our offense. Mm-hmm.
2: But we are n- under no circumstances. If Richie can James can't place, get a return in, something like that.
3: It's pretty nuts how fast Dante Pettis is just like – it's his 9 of is just over, I feel but, like.
2: Yeah, and the crazy part to me is that it doesn't go out with him – it didn't even get to the point where it was like, well, at least let's use him on returns. Because Richie James is good. Like, do you, are you pretty confident that he's just
3: the – the 49ers have traded Dante Pettis to the Eagles for a six round pick or something like that. Yeah, it just I, I'd be shell shocked because if you're a team like or the Indian I didn't Adams feel that course, way week
2: eight, but I do now. Yeah, how's he back? It's an easy
3: one. Just bite the bullet, give him away. And if you're a team like there are a bunch of teams like the Jets, hey, we'll, we like this guy coming out. Joe Douglas liked him. We'll take him for a sixth. Adam Gase liked him. He's gonna have a market because he's not that far away from his his rookie year, right when he was coming out. And the great part about a guy like him is I'm never shocked when all of a sudden it's like, damn, did you, you know, I'm texting you on like week three, 2020. You see
0: Sam Darnold just hit Dante Pettis, 70-yard bomb?
3: Or like he either semi-resurrects it or it's just like he's out of the league in a year, which pro- I don't really have a take because it's just I think you see a lot of guys go both ways. It's You see it a lot. A guy goes to another place and resurrects himself. The one thing you'd say for the Niners – is you've seen, like, the AJ Jank, and sometimes you just whiff.
2: Like we always say with resurrection, John, you got to be erected first.
3: Do you think he has the blood flow to get erected? Well, I just
2: – ha- he hasn't been – there's no resur- – I mean, resurrect what? The draft status? Yeah, anyway, when he was is, in college. Yeah. But the point is, like, I think this – This is for, like, uh, August 3rd. <laughs> yeah, maybe May. Uh, yeah, from- it could be just
3: new league year when he gets traded.
2: From a Stop. Kyle standpoint, I a part of me kind of from. His, I asked you this earlier. Do you think Kyle Shanahan would rather coach against Andy Reid or Bill Belichick? Like, and here's here's the thing. Here's let me just give you the I background. I don't know. The
3: I don't know if coaches really think like that. But I well, don't know. I but, think you and I do, and front offices do. I don't know if coaches get
2: too worked up on the, that. Shit. The reason I bring it up is when you coach against Bill, you it's when you're in you're in control against the thing that he's in control of. When you coach against Andy, you're not really in control of the thing. It's not you, your mind against Andy's mind. It's Andy's mind against Robert
3: Sala, or Eric the enemy against Sala. Kyle does have the monitors, though, in the room, so he does watch everything that goes on with the defense. Did you read that article that Tim wrote?
2: No. Wait, say that again?
3: Kawakami wrote that Kyle Shanahan sets up cameras, has, the whole time they've been there. He can watch from his office every meeting room and audio.
2: Oh, oh, wow. He
3: he can press a button and boom, be insolent. Damn,
2: fucking Putin.
3: Now, he said two things. One is that his dad did it. So he's like, I I didn't come up with this idea. My dad did. Now, I don't know if he's – I'd have to text around. I I don't know if that's normal protocol. Uh, I would say probably not. Now, Robert Sala also was like in the article was on record and going – Yeah, I think if you're like, I understand. Why wouldn't he want? Like he's he wants to know what we're teaching, so it's not that crazy. And the one thing Kyle said, you're you can turn it off. Like he's like, I know if it's turned off, like maybe they're talking about something personal. Like I'm not. Oh, from the
2: room you can turn it off.
3: Yeah, you can press a button. Like if If you're Robert Robert Sala or the DB coach and the guy's telling you about like his some story that you just don't. It's not abnormal, but when you're teaching the game plan. Or installing something, and Kyle, Kyle had a good point. He's like, I, when I was doing it for my dad, or I think Kubiak did it too. I wanted it on, because he's like, sometimes think about like teachers, you know, when uh, when you were in like elementary school and they're being judged by the principal or whatever, and the and the principal does like a rolling goes to every class, and you feel like, guys, is the teacher giving a little more effort today? And he's like <laughs> screaming at me. He's like, you. if the coach comes in and you're, like, yelling that day, he thinks, like, is this guy being a fraud or are you just being normal? He's like, you can just be consistent. Like, you just be you and be comfortable, like, and you get to show the head guy. It's not like Kyle's moving through coaches, so there's clear trust. But it was when I read it. I was like, damn, that's that pretty intense. Because clearly the players and coaches know it. There's no, like... There's no bad mouth in the head coach, right? Like, fuck, Kyle. Jesus.
2: Fuck,
3: totally. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, Kyle uh, Kyle Williams, the uh, former return man. That's Kyle Williams! <laughs> you know, fuck. it mean, would be a problem for me, because I'm just a talker. And hell, I mean, it may or may not have been at the last place you and I both worked together. Uh, a bad-mouthing to a guy that turned out to be a mole. Yeah, you picked the wrong did. guy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I think but you went, you went, you went full like investigative. You were like, man, that guy's an idiot. Don't you think? I didn't say re- anything. Do you remember his response? Uh, I remember it being very tepid. I remember thinking like, uh I don't did know, you, if this is
3: the guy to talk to. Did you know when I said it that, that I should never have said it to him?
2: I remember feeling like I was going to not in, not uh jump into the fun with that person. Yeah. But I also remember that studio we were in as a side studio where we were talking. I remember many times feeling like that studio's audio might go somewhere else. Do you think it did? Uh, I don't. You know, even if it did, you'd have to like go back and listen to a bunch of audio, so probably not. Yeah, and that person probably wasn't capable of doing it. But just life
3: lesson to people listening at work. And most humans know this after you're in a job for a while. Because it's easy to get comfortable in a situation. Just always be careful who you're talking to. It just... But it is very easy to get comfortable in any situation, right? Yep. Unless it's fucking Belichick. You're just like always on your toes. But most offices, even if it is like a high-achieving office, once you have a little success, you just... You got some let thought? You, go- you got some takes? Yeah, let your guard down. Let's a start bit. a podcast. All of a sudden it's show up bring your bring your badge, your books and uh,
2: we'll walk you to the door. <laughs> yeah. See
1: you guys